Welcome to the Practical Employment Law Podcast, a podcast covering all aspects of American employment law. I'm your host, Mark Chumley. On today's episode, I'm going to talk about the future of arbitration. Some of you may have noticed that on March 3rd of this year, the president signed into law the so-called Ending Forced Arbitration of Sexual Assault and Sexual Harassment Act of 2021. This law represents a major change in arbitration because it amends the Federal Arbitration Act, the FAA, which is the source of the whole private arbitration world. Now, the Federal Arbitration Act was passed in 1925 and authorizes parties to agree to forego courts and let a private arbitrator decide their case. The statute creates a strong preference for arbitration and protects arbitrators' decisions. Now, you've probably heard a lot about the U.S. Supreme Court taking on arbitration cases over the years and generally upholding arbitration agreements and the right to arbitrate. As a result, these agreements have become very popular. In most cases, employers view arbitration as a more favorable forum because they avoid a jury, which is often sympathetic to an employee, and arbitration, while not strictly confidential, is certainly less public than court cases. For these same reasons, employees and their attorneys typically do not like arbitration. I'm not going to do a deep dive on the pros and cons of arbitration in this episode, except to wake one point that I've observed firsthand. In years past, One of the often stated reasons for arbitration was that it was cheaper and faster than going to court. And at one point, I think this was true, but I don't believe that it is anymore. Arbitration is often quicker than court, but it depends on the court. Some courts actually move more quickly than arbitration proceedings, so it's not a given. The big change I've observed in arbitration is the increasing costs. Between the administrative fees that the various arbitration providers charge, along with the arbitrator's fees, the costs often reach astronomical levels compared to taking a case to court. And employers are the ones who bear these costs. It's certainly something to consider if you're looking at arbitration, because the cost-benefit analysis has changed over time, in my opinion. But let's get back to the Ending Forced Arbitration of Sexual Assault and Sexual Harassment Act of 2021. In years past, many of the Supreme Court cases upholding arbitration dealt with state laws that sought to curtail it in some way, and in many instances these laws were struck down because they were trumped by the Federal Arbitration Act. Now the big difference with the new law is that, as I mentioned, it amends the Federal Arbitration Arbitration Act, which means that it's not really subject to challenge. Congress can change the law if they decide to do that. So what does the new law do? Well, it comes out of the Me Too movement and focuses on claims involving sexual harassment and sexual assault. Here is the main part of the law. It's short. Quote, At the election of the person alleging conduct constituting a sexual harassment dispute or sexual assault dispute, or the named representative of a class or in a collective action alleging such conduct, no pre-dispute arbitration agreement or pre-dispute joint action waiver shall be valid or enforceable with respect to a case which is filed under federal, tribal, or state law and relates to sexual assault dispute or the sexual harassment dispute, end quote. I think there are five key points to consider here. Number one. Employers can no longer enforce pre-dispute arbitration agreements relating to sexual harassment or assault. 
Note that the party bringing the claim may elect to opt out of arbitration. They don't have to, but they may elect to do so. Now, the good news here is that existing agreements do not necessarily have to be amended. They just cannot be enforced with respect to sexual harassment or assault claims. Point number two. Class action waivers for sex harassment and assault claims are no longer enforceable either. Again, this is at the election of the person bringing the claim. Point number three. The law provides that it, quote, shall apply with respect to any dispute or claim that arises or accrues on or after the date of enactment of this act. This means that it applies to agreements that were signed before the law went into effect, as well as all future agreements. Point number four. The law says that a federal judge, not an arbitrator, decides whether claims within the law go to arbitration. So most of the issues relating to this law will be for, fought out in federal court, and I think most people who are familiar with arbitration know that many arbitration agreements do include a provision that the arbitrator decides enforceability and not a federal judge. So this law abrogates those provisions. Point number five, perhaps the biggest point about the law is that there remains a great deal of uncertainty. For instance, the terms sexual harassment and sexual assault claims are not defined, leaving some uncertainty as to the scope of the law. Similarly, the law is silent on what I think is the most obvious scenario. What happens if some of the claims are covered by arbitration, for example, say there's a disability discrimination claim, but the case includes sexual harassment claims as well? In those mixed claim cases, does the whole case go to court or can it be split up? If it can't be split up, can parties simply add sexual harassment to every employment claim and avoid arbitration? Unfortunately, these are all issues that will need to be litigated and worked out in the courts. So what can employers do now? Well, some are amending their arbitration agreements to address some of the uncertainty. For example, employers may try to add jury waivers for claims covered by the new law or include provisions where employees agree to arbitrate claims that can still be arbitrated without delay when there is a parallel court case. Will these kind of moves work? That too remains to be seen. For now, employers need to evaluate their agreements and be prepared to take at least some cases to court. Another question to ask is what does this mean for the future of arbitration? My personal opinion is that this is the beginning of the end of mandatory pre-dispute arbitration and employment. Congress amended the FAA based on concerns about policy relating to Me Too issues and sexual harassment and assault. From a, a policy perspective, is there really a huge difference in importance that attaches to those claims and other claims related to matters like disability and race? That's a hard argument to make, and there's a good chance that the FAA continues to be limited by future acts until there's not much left for employers to rely on. And this process may already be underway. The Ninth Circuit recently upheld a California law that makes all mandatory pre-dispute arbitration agreements and employment unlawful. It does not apply retroactively, but going forward it is broader than the new federal law because it's not limited to sexual assault and harassment, but covers all mandatory agreements. Similarly, the Forced Arbitration Injustice Repeal Act, the so-called FAIR Act, passed the U.S. House on March 17 of 2022. Now, the FAIR Act would effectively void all pre-dispute mandatory arbitration agreements and employment, like the California law. 
and it would prohibit waivers of joint class or collective actions. And now, while it passed the House, it's unlikely at this time to pass the Senate, but the writing appears to be on the wall for arbitration. In the future, employers can still consider jury waivers and employment agreements and may be able to get employees to accept voluntary arbitration programs or may even find ways to persuade parties to submit cases to arbitration after a dispute arises. If nothing else, this is a good time for employers to start thinking about alternatives to mandatory arbitration. This has been the Practical Employment Law Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please watch for future episodes wherever you get podcasts. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you would like to contact me about any aspect of the podcast, my email address is mchumley at kmklaw.com, and my full contact information is in the show notes. This podcast was created for general informational purposes only and does not constitute legal advice or a solicitation to provide legal services. Although we attempt to ensure that the podcast is complete, accurate, and up-to-date, we assume no responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or timeliness. The information in this podcast is not intended to create, and listening to it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Listeners should not act upon this information without seeking professional legal counsel.